All right, well, um, we're in the midst of a, of a sermon series called Bear Fruit, and as followers, as followers of Jesus, we are called to bear fruit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks is this, that like the, the bearing of the fruit of the Spirit is something that happens naturally when you're connected to the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we're, we're going to turn, if you turn with me to John chapter 15, we're going to get into the word here uh, this morning. And I know you've been like up, down, doing calisthenics, but um, would, you, would you mind standing with me as we honor the reading of God's word today? Uh, John chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got some Bibles. That, and I, if you don't maybe have the NIV uh, version that I preach out of every week, then uh, we've got some Bibles right over there by the sound booth. You can pick one up on your way out today. It's yours. Write in it. Mark it up. Get, encounter God through it um, and take it home with you. Um, otherwise, we'll have it up here on the screens. It says this, John 15, 1. I'm the true vine, Jesus says this. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." Lord, I thank you for your word that is connected to a command that um, as we remain in you, we will bear much fruit. We will bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for that command. Thank you for that empowerment, that enablement that only comes through you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Okay, so Jesus spends a lot of time talking about Fruit. I don't know if you noticed that. Is just reading down through like verses one through eight. It was like bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. He talks a lot about bearing fruit, and I was thinking about it this week. I think because we don't, many of us aren't farmers in here. Um, many of us aren't aren't like we don't have fruit trees, and we're trying to like bear fruit and un- understand that whole gardening aspect of life. Um, I think a better term, or maybe a more relevant term in our day, would be the word symptoms. Um, just coming out of COVID and all these, uh, we're very, we're very aware of, of the word symptoms. And so I would even just say when it, we're talking about like the fruit of the spirit, maybe a better term for like understanding or relevance would be the symptoms of the spirit. And so the title of my message today is Symptom Checker. Um, how many of you have ever been to WebMD's Symptom Checker? You're like, this morning, I was in bed thinking, I am sure I have this ailment, and you, you go to WebMD, symptom checker, and it's like, you know, when, when your primary care physician is the target pharmacy, then you're like, you don't, you don't like going to the doctor, you go to the WebMD, and you decide, like, okay, what, 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 are my, what are my symptoms? You plug them all in there, and it spits out your worst case scenario, best case scenario, uh, this is kind of what, what's going on in the inside of you. Um, 
So imagine with me, and it may not be too hard for you to imagine this, imagine with me if you got in your head this idea that you were infected with the flu. Um, You're like, I don't know, my mom had the flu, and, and people around me, people at work got the flu. I just know, I just know, I must have the flu. Um, and so you go to the doctors, and you, you say, Doc, I got the influenza. And the next question that the doctor will ask you is, okay, so, so what are your symptoms? And you're like, well, I, I just, I'm, doctor, I'm sure I have the flu. Okay, well, that's great. So... Um, do you have a runny nose? No. you have a headache? No. Chills? N- n- no. Cough? <clears throat> no. Congestion? No. Fever? No. Muscle aches? Only when I try to bend down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you, so, so, so the, the doctor will tell you, you think that you have the flu, but you have no symptoms of the flu. Yeah. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Like, that'd be weird for you to go in. If you're a doctor, you'd be like, yeah, that would be, that'd be super weird because in order to have a diagnosis, this is the way that our modern science, you know, medical science works. Like, in order to get a diagnosis for something, you have to have symptoms of that thing. Um, if you don't have symptoms of the flu, then chances are you're not infected with the flu. Uh, I know there's, there's kind of that period of time where like you actually are infected, but you don't have symptoms. They have not presented yet, but, but, the, but sooner or later they will, right? Maybe a day, too late, two days later, all of a sudden now you start to have the symptoms of the thing that you're infected with. Um, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, it's the symptoms of the spirit. So God diagnoses spiritual maturity by checking the symptoms. So what are the symptoms? Thank you for asking. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the, but the fruit of the Spirit, or the, the symptoms of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And these are the symptoms that you can expect when you are infected with the Holy Spirit. Is your love runny? Is your joy oozing out of you? Is peace releasing pressure in your life? How about patience? In what's the thermometer reading of your patience level? Uh, what about kindness, goodness, gentleness? Does your heart ache with compassion for other people? How about faithfulness? Are you dependable? Are you a person of your word? Self-control. Do you, do you bridle your tongue? Can you tell sin that it's not the boss of you? Like if so, then, then you must have the Holy Spirit infection. And sometimes it, it starts out small, but as you continue, it worsens or gets better, depending on how you're looking at this analogy. Um, you must have that because you have the symptoms of the Holy Spirit. And so it's so important for us to understand that these are not the symptoms that you can attain through your own working harder and trying to be a better person. This is not a self-help class or a list of things that you just need to start working on to be a better Christian because that's what Jesus likes. He is not looking for you to manage your sin better or to trade in some sins for others that are easier to hide. 
He actually wants to overtake you, to infect you, to transform you from the inside out. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. This is the message paraphrase. I love how, how Eugene Peterson writes it. He says, God can do anything, you know. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. And he makes this kind of like, uh, this contrast here that I want to just kind of talk about a little quick. And Because I, I think that sometimes, even in American Christianity, we can kind of fail to see what it is that, that God is wanting to do in us and through us as Christians, is that the Word of God, the Bible, was never meant to be a motivational self-help book. Uh, it's never meant to be a list of do's and don'ts and things that you like, oh, you should try to work on, be more like, be like Jesus, stop trying to be like the devil, start doing this, start adding this, read this, you should do this, don't do that. The Word of God is an inspirational, mind-renewing book that we are renewed, our minds are renewed through God's Word. Um, there's a difference between motivation and inspiration. And, uh, and, and what Eugene Peterson just talked about there in, in Galatians chapter 3 is that, that God does not want to motivate us. He wants to inspire us. See, motivation is like, uh, you know, you listen to motivational speakers, Matt Foley, and like, you know, you get these different people that like um, will externally try to push you to do something that you really don't want to do on your own. So you go to a motivational speaker and they will hype you up and get you excited about doing something that obviously you don't want to do on your own because you needed a motivational speaker to inspire, to motivate you to try to do it anyway. And so um, these are people in your life that, that are motivating you. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's a friendship. It's Oftentimes, when people say uh, like horrible things to you, like "Hey, do you want to go on a run?" or "Try this," <laughs> or "Or try this kale," like they're horrible. Like these are things I don't ever want to do. But I have friends in my life. My wife will invite me to runs, and I just laugh. I'm like, "Why are you being so mean?" Like I just I don't get it. Or she hides kale in soups to get me to, to eat it. Like, it's not, it's not nice. I'm not, but the, this, is, this is motivation. This is do, when somebody tries to get you to do something you don't want to do on your own, because if I wanted to do it, if kale tasted good, I would eat it, right? Like, if I wanted to run, I would, but nobody's chasing me. And so, like, we, that's motivation, trying to get people to do something that they don't want to do. That's external. That's external pushing. Um, but inspiration is different, and this is what Ephesians 3 is talking about. Inspiration is different. Actually, the words inspiration comes from the two words, in spirit. Inspiration isn't pushing you externally. It's actually pulling something out of us. And when the heart is changed, then no one needs to twist my arm to do something. You don't have to convince me or motivate me or give me an arousing speech to get me excited about something. I'd it's something on the inside of me. It's changing me from the inside out. It's when you get a case of the I can't help myself. I can't help myself, but like to serve, to love the unlovable, to forgive those who don't deserve it. Like I, I, I am inspired, pulled. Something is pulled out of me from the inside. The Holy Spirit always wants to work from the inside out, not the outside in. Religion tries to get you to motivate you from the outside in, 
but inspiration from, through the Holy Spirit pulls out something from the inside of you. And what I'm saying out of complete love for you is that if, if you require constant motivation to follow God, you are on a fast track to burnout. Because, because you're actually trying to produce in the flesh that which can only be produced through the Spirit. And it will absolutely exhaust you. It seems like a small difference, but when you're living out of the Spirit rather than trying to do good out of your flesh, you find that one brings life, the other brings exhaustion. Verse 1, I'll, I'll read it through for you again. It says, I'm the true vine, Jesus speaking. My father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And then he catch this, and this is, this is tough. He says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. Um, what is he saying here? He's saying that God rewards maturity by pruning. Jesus is saying in verse 2 that pruning is not a punishment. It's actually a reward for growth. And you may be thinking, then please don't reward me. <laughs> like, I'm fine if you just, you know what, if somebody else is blessed with my reward, right? Like, if you would please prune her, you know, in my stead, I would love that. On my behalf, Lord, if you would prune him, that would be great. I, I, don't, need, I don't need the rewards. I don't do it for the rewards, Jesus, right? Be but what we find is that he rewards growth with, with pruning, so um, I have three mature apple trees in, in my backyard, and I've, we've lived there for like four years. We've been through like four seasons with them. Um, what I found out is that apple trees require a lot of pruning if you want them to bear a lot of fruit, um, and you have to be strategic about it, and there's all kinds of YouTube videos, and um, I'm sure I'm doing it wrong, but um, every year... What, what I've found for these apple trees is that um, they become less concerned with bearing more apples and much more concerned with just getting bigger. Like every year, I'm like, spring comes and there are these shoots that come out of the top of the tree that are probably 10 feet long and there's tons of them. There's like probably like 50 of them that just shoot straight up in the air like, look at me, I'm so tall. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And they, there's the, here, the point is this, you, with, a, with, a, with something that shoots straight up in the air, no apple will ever grow on that. It will bear no fruit. All it is is just growing bigger and taller. So every spring, my apple trees are like, look at me, I'm so big. And yet the, the way that it grows it will actually bear no fruit um, as, as I'm trying to just you know, get as, much, as many apples as, as we can. Um, and they're absolutely useless for, for fruit. All they do is block the sun from um, ripening the apples in the canopy below. And so I have to prune every single one of these. I just did it. It took me like a couple hours just pruning one tree, all these little shoots that go up. And for this very same reason, God prunes us. Because, see, passion and zeal are great unless they're misdirected. Like, have you ever noticed that a God-given gift can be amazing when it is under the lordship of Jesus Christ? 
but it can also be a dangerous liability when it is outside of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. Simon Peter, the dude was bold, bullheaded, uh, got things done. It was one of his, his greatest strengths. And then um, he let it get away from him when he rebukes the Son of God. And I, I don't know if you ever remember this, but like he said, no, this will never happen. Jesus prunes him right away. He literally looks at him and he says, get behind me, Satan. And then look, what he, look why he prunes him, though. He says, you've got a lot of passion, you've got a lot of zeal, but you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I love the zeal. I love the passion. I love your boldness. It's awesome. It's one of your greatest attributes. I'm just telling you, it's a little misdirected. Actually, it's a lot misdirected. I'm just going to prune you right here. See, the gift of leadership under the lordship of Jesus Christ can take a church further faster. The gift of leadership with self-centered motives can actually lead to the manipulation of others for selfish gain. Um, it's always that reality that like, God is not looking for to just grow bigger, grow taller, grow more. He's actually looking for fruit. He's looking for more fruit. And he will cut you back. Catch this. He will cut you back to the place where the growth continued, but the fruit stopped. That's what I had to do to my apple tree this year. Oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I was like, Look at you, look at you, look at you, look at you. <laughs> Grow fruit here. Stop growing to be bigger, taller, flashier. I'm, you're not trying to be the biggest tree in my yard. You're actually trying to be the most fruitful tree in my garden. Amen? Thank you. Punishment, like pruning is not a punishment. It's actually the refinement of purpose in your life. It's when God comes along you and he's like, hey, I'm so excited, like, you got all this zeal, I mean, I, and I love it. I, 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 I am absolutely so excited about what I'm doing in your life, but, but that's, this way is not where we're headed, so I'm just going to snip. It's not that I, I'm not mad at you, I'm just, it's, you're, just, you're growing, and it's so great, you're just a little, you're a little crooked. I'm just going to snip. <laughs> it isn't bad, I'm just saying it's just a little misdirected. Snip. It, it's God's way of refining his purpose in us, and he prunes us so that we will continue to not just grow, but that we will bear fruit. So how do we grow spiritually? Verse 4. You, you'll see the same words coming. It's almost dizzying how many times he says it. Verse 4 and um, 5, he says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You, you seeing something here? Um, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He, remain in me, remain in the vine, remain in me as I remain in you. Remain in, remain, remain. What's the point of all this remaining talk, right? It is this. It, in order to bear the symptoms of the Spirit... You must absolutely, positively, unequivocally stay connected to Jesus. Amen. How do you grow? Remain in him. But yeah, but it's got to be like, I mean, is there like a class I should probably take? Yeah, I mean, we can help you with that, but just please remain in him. Stay connected to Jesus. It is honestly so simple that it's a bit frustrating. And Jesus is like, well, yeah, just remain in me as I remain in you. Remain in me as I remain in you. 
Let me give you an example of, of, of kind of a, um, what if I told you that I would reward you with $1 million if you would just do one simple task? Would you be interested? Yeah. You're like, well, yeah, I mean, one, one simple task, that sounds great. Okay, so what if I told you all you need to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this ring, you take this ring and you just keep it in your pocket 24-7 for six months. That's all you got to do. And I would reward you with $1 million. Would you be willing to try it? Okay. Think about how conscious you would be of that ring in your pocket. People would be like, dude, why are you rubbing your thigh so much? <laughs> you, you, it'd be awkward. You'd be walking around, you'd be like this. You'd literally be like, hey guys, how's it going? You know, hey. You just have your thigh. You'd literally be touching it all the time. All the time. Why? Why? Because I'm going to get a million stinking bucks, okay? People can make fun of you. People would be like, dude, stop it. You're like, it's obnoxious. And you're like, I don't even care. I literally could care less. You can make fun of me, but you're gonna, I'm going to be the one laughing, right? How acquainted would you get with the look and the feel and the groove and just the size and shape of that ring? You, you just reach down. You just have to tell. You just know. You just know it's right there. It's right there. You, you, would, you would defend it. You would guard it. You would prioritize it. It would probably even change your mind about engaging in certain activities for fear of losing it. You're like, want to go swimming? Mm, no. Oh, come on, man. Light up. Mm, nope. All of a sudden now it changes. That very simple task changes everything about you. Let this ring remain, abide in you, and don't lose it. Now, you carry something that is of much greater value than a ring, for which is a much greater reward than a million dollars. Amen? And we grow in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, not through all of our striving. We grow through abiding, remaining, allowing the, the Spirit to remain as it remains in us through staying connected to what you're already carrying. That's how we bear great fruit. The greatest way that we bear fruit is just to stay connected to the root. And so the heart of Christianity is, is not me me trying to motivate myself to do good works. Like, I want to be a better Christian. I want to do things right. I want, I want, I want God to like me. I want him to approve of me. The heart of Christianity is not that. It is that God has done a good work in me, and it has changed me from the inside out. That the Holy Spirit is, remains in me, and I remain in him, and I stay connected to him, and he is changing me I'm, it is causing me to, to look at people differently and think of things differently and prioritize my life differently. It's not because somebody is twisting my arm and telling me or guilting me or shaming me or motivating me to do something that I don't want to do. Like, I, I'm telling you, I want to do things that, that I never wanted to do before. I have symptoms of the Spirit. So not only stay connected, but the second way that we bear fruit, the symptoms of the Spirit, is by obeying His Word. Verse 7, he says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, catch those, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What does that mean? When he says, my words, my words remain in you. Let me illustrate this for you as a parent. Um, my son's down here on the front row. So I'm not going to say, I have two kids though, so I'm not going to talk about who would do this. Um, so just so you know, just so you know, um, 
if I were to tell my kids um, to make their bed, um, and you've probably done this before, um, you know, it seems like you're asking them to chop their leg off, but it's simple. You just like make your bed all day. You got all day Saturday. I want you to make your bed. Um, just make sure it's done. Um, and you know that they've heard you because they made a guttural noise in, in, in an affirming way that they heard you. And, um, but how many of you know that it's very different from your child hearing you and your word abiding in them, remaining in them? It's a, it's a very big different thing, right? And so like, um, if I follow up, like Saturday afternoon, I, I ask Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon you come along, and you're like, hey, hey, did you make your bed? Oh, Dad. I, I memorized exactly what you said about making my bed. It was so simple when you were like, hey, make your bed. I was like, oh, it was so profound though. The way you said it, just, it hit me right here. Okay, but did you, did you do it though? Like, did you make your bed? Dad, oh my goodness. Like when you, when you said make your bed, I actually wrote it down. I'll show you. I wrote it right here. Like, honestly, Dad, when you, I feel like it's my life verse. Here. It just wrecked me. It was so touching. Like, I know you love me because you said make your bed. Did you make your bed? Oh, Dad. It, it meant so much to me that I tattooed it on my arm. Look. There it is says, make your bed. That's how much your word means to me. Did you make your bed? Dad, this is so weird because it's like a confirmation. You were the third person this week to say those words to me. I am the Holy Ghost goosebumps right now. I'm telling you what, it is freaking me out. I'm almost going to cry. Wait, make your bed. That's what you want to say. I'm sure God's not like that, but that's how, that's how I am, right? How many of you understand as a parent, there is a difference between your kids hearing your words and your words remaining in them? Why? Because it's, a diff it's the same. It's not only just hearing, but it is applying it to your life. It's applying it to your life. To have God's word remain in you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, Jesus says, wrote, says it pretty clearly. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But anyone, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. How is that? As I was reading in John chapter 15, it was, um, what I realized as I was reading down through it is that, that God actually kind of outlines a growth track of fruit. It goes from we grow fruit to we grow more fruit to we grow much fruit to we grow lasting fruit. And you can see that as you read down through John chapter 15. It goes from fruit, more fruit, much fruit, uh, lasting fruit. And the first, the first step is this, salvation bears fruit. You receive Jesus, you surrender your life to him, you, you get baptized, you're just like, yes, I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence on the inside of you. You are now infected, right? Like you, and it begins to give you desires that are not of your own. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I was like in the ninth grade, right? All of a sudden, I wanted to pray. 
I never wanted to pray. Prayer was a punishment for doing sin. It was, in my life, it was never something that I actually wanted to do. I found myself, the very next day, I'm like, all I want to do is pray. I found myself wanting to read his word. I never thought that I could get into reading the Bible. I didn't even understand it. I was too, too deep, too much. It was for holy people and holy places to do that. It wasn't for people, ninth grade kids like me, to read the word of God. I, I wanted to worship. I was listening to worship music. I was like, I, I, don't, I, I always listen to anything on the radio. All of a sudden now, I'm like, I'm wanting to get into to worship. I started tithing my money as a ninth grader. I don't remember anyone ever telling me to do it. I don't remember sitting and, and hearing or someone twisting my arm or hearing a message series on tithing. I just, I just knew I was supposed to do it. I, all of a sudden, God just starts to work things on the inside of you when you're connected to him that you get a case of, I just can't help myself. And you start noticing that you want to do things that you never wanted to do before. And it's not motivation. It's not external pushing. It's inspiration from the Spirit. He changes us from the inside out. And then we start growing and bearing fruit. Verse 2, don't forget, he says this, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does, he prunes. So that, catch this, it will be even more fruitful. So pruning bears more fruit. Salvation bears fruit. Pruning bears more fruit. And pruning is never fun. It's rarely appreciated in the moment. Pruning is always uncomfortable and and oftentimes painful. But it is so important for us to understand that pruning is not punishment. It's not like, oh, you messed up. You're you're, you're a horrible Christian. You didn't do this thing right. And and many times, God's like, you're doing such a good job. I'm just going to snip right here because I'm Yep, yep, we're just kind of, you're a little crooked. I'm just, we're we're just going to, yep, we're great. We're so excited about this, but I'm just going to just cut the hedges just a little bit. We all get pruned. And how we respond to pruning is the difference between bearing more fruit and bearing much fruit. I'll read it for you, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear, here it is, much fruit. Showing yourself to be what? My disciples. So the difference between bearing more fruit through pruning and bearing much fruit is obedience. And this is the point where many people settle. We get saved, we get pruned, and then we allow the pruning to disillusion us. See, obedience is oftentimes simply submitting to the pruning of God. Obedience is, is getting pruned and then not walking away from him because of it. And people that understand faithfulness over the long haul are the ones that find themselves walking in a legacy of not just fruit or more fruit, but of much fruit. However, this isn't even the goal, the end goal of spiritual growth. Verse 14, he says this, You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does, does, does not know what is his master's business. Instead, I have called you, here it is again, friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. The last, the last stage is like we go from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. 
and friendship with God bears lasting fruit. The progression that all of us go in is we, we, we come to the Lord, we, we, we surrender our lives to him, we become saved, he fills us with the Holy Spirit, he begins to change us from the inside out, we begin to serve the Lord, we begin to do what he's asking us to do, we get pruned, we start, we start moving forward in him, but the end goal is not that we just end at servant, we, he, he calls us friends. Like when we are saved, we are adopted into the family of God, but a servant only listens and obeys. A servant only does what he's told and nothing more, but a friend walks in relationship. A friend understands without even a word spoken. I've been married for over 23 years. Um, you should, yeah, you should thank my wife for that. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, um, after 23 years, I know what my wife likes and what she doesn't like. She, she had to spend the first 20 years telling me. <laughs> but the last three years, I got it. Sometimes she still has to give me a look to remind me. You know, you know the look, guys. You know the look. But I'm itching. Um, but she doesn't, she doesn't need to tell me what she likes and what she doesn't like. After 23 years, I kind of just know that because... We're friends. It's not because I'm her servant. It's because we're a team. It's because we love each other, because we've, we've been in this relationship for so long. And that I, I rarely sometimes even have to ask her what she'd like, or if she'd like to do this or this, because I know what her answer is already going to be, because I know her and she knows me. And a friendship with God is where we bear fruit that lasts. And, and what does it look like? Sometimes it looks like that relationship where you're just like, man, I don't even need to necessarily pray about this because I just know the heart of God. I can move forward in this because I'm confident that I know that this is in his heart. I told you a couple, like, a couple months ago, I went to Roca Blanca Missions and I met that 80-year-old man, um, uh, Pastor Dwayne Kirshner, and, and at hello, I shook, I shook this man's hand and I had no idea who he was. Shook his hand and the Holy Spirit was so present in that handshake, I was like, what, in, what is going on? And this was my thought. I, I was thinking about it. I was reading through John chapter 15. What was that that happened there? My thought was this. This man is a friend of God. Like he, he walks with the Lord so much that a handshake is a transaction. <laughs> like what in the world? Like may I continue in the faith to not just bear fruit, good works, not just bear more fruit through pruning and, and not quitting, not just bear lasting fruit that bears a legacy, or that, 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 but friendship of, with God. That as we walk into Hannaford, as we, as we go about our job, that the presence of God is carried with us and through us. That we are a friend of the Most High. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Maybe you're here today, and um, I felt this this morning as I was, as I was preparing. Um, maybe you're here today, and you don't know even what it looks like to be connected to Jesus. Like, maybe you've been even trying on your own to just bear good fruit, right? You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to raise your child. You're trying to, to, you're trying to do, do right and you're just, you're exhausted. 
of, of, all, the, of all the trying, because you're just like, I, I keep trying, and I can't do it, do it right enough or good enough. And You watched people even get baptized this morning, and, and you had this thought, like, I want what they have. Lord, I want that peace, that joy, that like, I don't know what that's like, but I want what they have in their life. I want to know God like that. I want to give you an opportunity this morning, um, right now, to kind of walk into that relationship with God. And this isn't about like joining a church or anything like that. This is about coming into a relationship with God. This is about like this nine-year-old Justin that made a decision to say, if if you're not crazy and I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe like this, then I want that. Why would I not want that? Maybe you've never encountered God like that before. You've never committed your life to Jesus before. But you're like, I, I want that in my life. I want to give you an opportunity just right now as we're, as we're in here today before you even leave to just simply respond. And between you and the Lord Say, I want that. And I don't even know if that's possible. I have so many fears and things, all of these things wrapped up in here, but I want that in my life. If that's you, just between you and the Lord right now, I just want you to just slip your hand up, just identifying between you and God, saying, God, I want that in my life. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know the road that I'm going to walk down, but I want that in my life. Just between you and him, just raise your hand up. Just identify between you and the Lord right now. Raise it up. Let him know. Yep, just between you and him. Just between you and him. Just between you and him. Now, this is what I'm going to ask you right now. If you've got your hand raised, and I see all these hands raised all around this room, I'm just going to invite you as the band plays. I want to invite you to come down here and join me for a moment. I want to just be able to pray with you and pray for you. Just come right down here up the front. Right, come on, just give me your down. This is an intimate time. And maybe you've done this before. Maybe you're just like, I've never done this in my entire life. And this is the scariest thing I've ever done. And I'm walking, I'm standing next to somebody that I've, I'm so unsure if they're even okay with this. Just come right down. Come right down. Yep. Keep coming. Come right down here. Come here and join me. Now, for those of you who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to encourage you to just be praying for these people. Just be interceding for them right now. If maybe they're friends of yours, you just intercede on their behalf right now. I want to pray with each, with each of you guys, and we're going to, I'm going to lead you in a, in a time of prayer. Um, it reminds me so much of when I was a young kid, like ninth grade, and just and coming to this place of like, literally, I don't know what to even expect, but I'm, I'm willing literally coming to this place of just unwilling. That, do you realize that that is all that God actually asks, us, asks of us is just to come to the place of willingness to say, Jesus, I surrender because I'm not really doing this, a good job at this life thing. I need your help. I need you, Jesus. So if that's where you're at, I just want you to know you are in the perfect place. He doesn't expect you to have all your crap figured out and, 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 and to have everything perfect. You just come to him and surrender your life to him. 
So I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And I just want to encourage you to just pray this out loud. You can just pray this out with me. I'll just kind of feed you line by line. You just kind of pray. There's nothing magical about this. This is a time of just surrendering your life to him. Just make this your own. And I guarantee you that he wants to come in to infill you, to change you from the inside out. Not twist your arm to do things you don't want to do, but I believe that he makes you into a new creation. Old things have passed away. The new has come. And so let me lead you in this prayer. Just start out. Say, Lord Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. And right now, I repent of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe that you came and died and resurrected from the dead to give me more and better life. I pray right now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit from the top of my head to the tip of my toes and restore me. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I pray for each and every single person up front here that made that prayer and those that even made that prayer that are still sitting down. Lord, I pray for your fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray that it would flow in them and through them. Lord, that you would begin to change their heart. Lord, your word says that you take out a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And so, Lord, I pray that you would cause them, as they even leave here today, to have have inklings, to have thoughts, to, to change the way that they're even just thinking about their lives, the priorities in their life. Lord, I pray that you would fill them fresh. Give them the joy, the peace, and the hope that they so desperately want. I pray that today would be a, a new beginning for them as they step, step out of this place serving you, but not just as servants, as friends. And so, Lord, I thank you as they are brought into the kingdom of God. I thank you that they're uh, even just a part and celebrated here um, by all of their brothers and sisters here in Christ. I pray that today would be a, a, a marked day. Today, Sunday, November 12th at 1027. Lord, that, a, that new, new lives have begun. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.